Support for this episode today comes from you. Well, some of you. If you love this podcast and want to help us make more of them, consider supporting us by visiting patreon.com slash let's give a damn. That's patreon.com slash let's give a damn. We'd be grateful. What don't I know about what's happening mm. right now? What don't I know about like this room? Who built this house? Where is these floors? Where do they come from? Who designed that wallpaper? How long yeah. did that take to design? You're like, all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, there's so much wondrous stuff around me all the time. No matter where you no go. No matter where you are. I even do this prayer practice with people where I'm just like, find your heartbeat, you know, in your chest and your, you know, wherever. And just pay attention as like, your, your existence is something you're not in control of. Mm. You don't get to control your heart. You didn't choose it. It's just there. It's working. Most of the time you don't know it. And your very existence and being is something you're not in charge of. Dear friends, welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. My name is Nick LaPara. And on this show, you'll meet amazing people and you'll find hope and the tools to give more dams than ever before. And we're back. In case you're new or weren't paying attention, we took a month off. That was the first break we've taken in almost two years. And y'all, I needed the break. I love being an entrepreneur, making shit up as I go, building things from scratch, but an occasional break is just what the doctor ordered. Anyway, I am back and ready to go. I'm fired up. We have amazing conversations lined up and I can't wait to share them all with you. Before I introduce today's guest, Let's briefly chat about the elephant in the room. That is, let's chat about the three mass shootings that have taken place over the last week in the United States. Three murdered, 12 injured at the Gilroy Garlic Music Festival in Gilroy, California. 20 murdered, 26 injured at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas. Nine murdered, 27 injured at a club in Dayton, Ohio, all within a week's time. I'll be honest. It's been a rough few days. I've cried. I've yelled. I'm angry. I feel helpless and hopeless somewhat. And I've come out on the other end more ready than ever to give a damn and to work to find solutions for the problems we're facing as a country, if you live in the U.S., and as a planet. So here's the deal. Here's how I got some help. Plenty of friends spoke into my life, but this article really helped something that other people have communicated to me before. And I know, I know this is true. At least I know that it's mostly true at this point. But this article really nailed it home for me. So I recently read an article by author Ryan Holiday called, If You're Angry, You're Part of the Problem, Not the Solution. And even though I don't measure up to this article just yet, I agree with it, I think. Here's a snippet. He writes, There is today as there has always been profound injustice in this world. But that injustice will not be solved by getting upset, by painting the other side as irredeemable, or by giving into our worst impulses. It must be addressed politically, personally, and with precisely the opposite of the traits that caused the injustice in the first place. You must treat indifference with empathy, cruelty with compassion, anger with patience and love. We know this from our own personal lives. The things that make you the most angry are the things you have the toughest time resolving. Has yelling or losing your temper ever made things better at home? Or does it only make things worse? 
Each of us has to work on this, myself included. We cannot let ourselves be rattled by the wrong we see in the world. We must limit our inputs, cut out toxic provocateurs and manipulative media. We must sit quietly with our own thoughts and push ourselves to respond to everything we see with kindness and calmness. It's easy to be clever or cruel. It's hard to be composed and clear. But which gives us the change we need? Powerful, right? I really, really learned from that article. I'm going to put the link to the rest of that article in the show notes, so make sure to check it out. Or you can go Google Ryan Holiday in the title that I gave you earlier. It's worth a read and definitely worth our consideration. It might not seem like he is right because it feels so good to get good and angry when terrible shit happens. But if you look throughout history at the people that give the most dams and have given the most dams, you might be surprised at how they responded to tragedy. Okay, let's move on. My guest today is the amazing Scott Erickson, incredible artist, incredible communicator, and my good friend, Scott Erickson. Scott is a touring painter, performance speaker, and creative curate who mixes autobiography, mythology, and aesthetics to create art and moments that speak to our deepest experiences. You must check out his art at Scott the Painter on Instagram. You'll be blown away, helped, and encouraged. And you'll want to put his art all over your home. We have some in our home, and I look at it every day. So Scott was in Nashville performing his one-man show called Say Yes, A Liturgy of Not Giving Up on Yourself. My wife and I went to see him do the show, and the following morning, we drank coffee and recorded this conversation. Shout out to Tifa for letting us use her dining room table. This conversation, however, is a long one, but I know you're going to be greatly encouraged, so stick with it. I wanted it to keep going. Like, we got to the end, and I was like, we've got to cut this off. We're at like 90 minutes or so. But we could have kept going and going because I learned so much from him. I'm encouraged so much by him. His art really speaks to me. His performance really changed me. And I know that you're not gonna be able to see the live performance, which was also about 90 or 100 minutes, but we're gonna talk through some of it today. So why don't you pour yourself some coffee like we were doing, sit by an open window or go outside and get ready for an incredible conversation that is guaranteed to make you laugh a little and think a lot. So let's get right into it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the great Scott Erickson. Scott Erickson, thank you so much for joining me on the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Woohoo! I'm glad we're, to be here. We're finally doing it. We're finally doing it. And I'll tell people why, <laughs> finally. Yeah. You're in Nashville right now. Mm-hmm. You did your Say Yes show last night in front of 100, 150 people. Yep. And it was amazing. Thank you. A year and a half ago, uh-huh. you said, I've got this show that I'm wanting to put together. Yeah. Do you want to like have a conversation about it in front of a group of people? Yeah. And so we did that mm-hmm. a year ago, January, so a year and a half ago, 18 months ago. Uh-huh. And it was both beautiful and not beautiful all at the same time because it was super raw, Yeah, right? Like you were pointing out yesterday, you had four slides. I had like four slides and, and like a stack of notes. Yeah, and just notes, and you're like shuffling through them like a, yeah. like a <laughs> frantic uh, interviewer yeah. slash interviewee. And uh, we did it though. Yeah. And I was going to record that for my podcast, uh-huh. and the, the recording sucked. Mm-hmm. Like I messed up on the levels, and I didn't have – like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one man show. And so yeah. I just did it. And I was like, I think this will work out. And I even listened to my ears. I think it'll work out, but something messed up. Yeah. It was terrible. We never got to put it out. 18 months later, 
we're here. Mm-hmm. How many shows, how many say yes shows have you done since we sort of piloted? I actually it? count that first one as good. the first one. Good. Uh, probably, I think around like 47. 40, it's amazing. Mid-40s. I've been doing this thing where like, hey, we're going to get started, but let me run through a few things with you. Housekeeping sort Housekeeping of things. Housekeeping things yep. and, and kind of prefacing what's going to happen. And uh, for the longest time, I changed it for the first time. But I would say, I would say this isn't polished. Uh, this is a work in progress. And so if you came tonight expecting to see something polished, the gift I have to give to you is you are better than me. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and last night was the first night where I didn't say that. Oh, wow. Where I actually was like, if, it took 45 times for me to like go, this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like I finally found all the words. It took that long. I mean, most of it was f- finalized probably around like 15 but there's this one segment I just didn't quite know how to succinctly say it in a way that just like I I'd have moments where I'd be like what I'd just stop and be like what am I trying to say to you and it's that third act which we'll get into which is about our end times narratives and existing and that whole thing yeah I, I was like what is what is what is the move that I'm trying to make here anyways what was great about our first time together even though it was clunky and stuff is that I had been taking notes on this stuff, like an Evernote and just kind of writing things down for like a couple years. And I sensed the muse or inspiration, whatever, I sensed creativity go, I want you to start talking about this now. Mm. And so I reached out to you because I was like, I'm coming to Nashville. I don't have anything. I don't have a show, but I have a bunch of new content that I just, I just need to like talk about it and see what happens to people. And what was fascinating, because we had like 75 people show up. Yeah. Maybe people who hated it left and they're like, that sucked. I'm out of here. But a significant amount of people stayed afterwards to talk and they were like, that hit me really deep. And, and it was just kind of, I was like, does, I wanted to know, does this content resonate at all? Because if it's not, then right. Why am I going to polish it even more? So I was just like, I was trying to take it out of my own paying attention, you know, taking notes and then going, okay, now I'm going to start talking about this. Is there gold here? Is there some wisdom here that people want to discuss? And and I actually did it a couple more times to test that out. But that first time was it immediately. It was like, oh, people want to people want to hear this. People want to discuss this. So that's, that's really beautiful. And I, I hope you were encouraged even that night that I mean, there was a few people that traveled from Alabama, like six hours to be there mm-hmm. for this hour and a half. Yeah us fumbling through this new idea. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I hope that encouraged you that like already people, they, they know you as the painter, the artist. Yeah. And now you wanted to say some things. Yeah. You wanted to go beyond that and share yeah. some stories and yeah. some life experiences. And they said, yeah, I'll travel six hours for that. Yeah. So that's. That has been so humbling. Like I've, I remember the first time, I don't remember the six hour trip, but I'm, uh, where was well, I? Tra- it was like five or six hours, but yeah. it, was, it was quite a while. I did this in Raleigh and a guy I knew from Atlanta showed up and I was like, and he's like, That's a drive. I, he's like, I drove five hours to see this. And I was like, are you staying somewhere? He's like, no, I'm going to go home after this. And I, I like teared up. I like cried a little bit. I was like, I don't know how to receive that. That's so, what? You drove five hours to see me? that's unbelievable. I don't, and you know, I was like, I don't know if I feel worthy for that, but thank you. And I've done that though for, uh, I drove five hours to see Rob Bell. Um, Mm -hmm. cause he, on his everything is spiritual tour too. He wasn't coming through Portland or Seattle. 
the closest he came was Spokane. And I, I actually just wanted to go, oh, I mean, I appreciate his work, but I was like, I heard that he speaks for an hour and 45 minutes. I was like, I just want to see a man hold my attention for an hour and 45 minutes and see how he's doing that. So I went in like taking notes, yeah, like breaking it down, analyzing what he was doing, like, oh, a joke every two minutes, uh, using visuals, story, point, you know, he's doing this whole thing. And I was like, oh, okay. And now I find that that's happening to me and it's, or like people are like, I drove three hours, I drove four hours to come here to hear you. And it's like, you know, when you, you know yourself so well that you're like, I spend a lot of time in a room by myself making things. You're telling me this is changing your life. I don't know. It's, it's really humbling. And you did go, I mean, it was an hour and 40 minutes last night. Yeah. Yeah. So you're figuring it out and you help people. I'm attention. not saying this in an arrogant way, but I've had four people who I really respect who've come and they're like, hey, I went to Rob's latest show and I went to yours and I enjoyed yours so much more. Well, <laughs> and it's not a, he's no, fantastic no. and amazing that it's really encouraging to me because it's like, okay. And you know, we'll get into what the show is about, but yeah. like, I was like, this is, this is working. Like I'm, I'm getting better at this. I've put together something that that is unique and I'm um, and drawing all he's a fantastic orator and brilliant yeah. and I've been around him and you feel like an idiot because he's so dynamic but I was like well he can't make a painting on stage and yep <laughs> and he has some visuals but like I'm an illustrator so it's it's really going like what are all the things I, I can do how do I incorporate all those things I love karaoke so I, everything I do I try to include a moment of karaoke because that's funny and yeah. un and like unexpected and and then i like to take things we songs from pop culture and then turn them in a different way so every time you hear it on the radio or it comes up you're like oh i remember that conversation like that's yeah so it, it's this lasting thing and yeah anyways. and no one will ever listen to <laughs> if you like pina coladas i know in a different way no they, yeah yeah and then lastly before we get into this there was a girl there last night that i thought that was a cool moment for me attending it last night with my wife because this girl turned around and said uh hey i've been listening to your like i showed up that night a year and a half ago mm -hmm. not knowing who scott was or you were a friend said oh yeah let's go yeah there's this cool thing and now she's been like following your work and listening to my podcast for the past year and a half you that's know? amazing and she was like thank you both like you guys have helped me tremendously and i'm like that's just weird yeah and cool. so right now because we know you're listening yeah you're welcome and thank you for your support yes yes and i feel like a dick for not remembering your name but i remember your face and our handshake and our hug and everything was awesome so yeah. thank you for doing that okay let us begin let's kind of reverse engineer why did you make this show say yes a liturgy of not giving up on yourself a liturgy of not giving up on yourself yes. yeah why did you make this you've been an artist for decades you've been making art for yeah. forever yeah and now you're making these shows where you're helping people, I mean, literally changing people's lives perspective yeah. on life. Yeah. Why? I, well, and this is a part of like the fabric of the show, although it's not the main point, it kind of comes around is uh, I started realizing when I was 39 and I had been doing, uh, I had a, a first show called We Are Not Trouble Guests, which is kind of like this multimedia talk. But that felt like a one-off, like, oh, I, cool, I made this thing. And I was doing that when this happened, but I, I had this moment where I was like, oh, I think I'm much more of a performing artist than I am just like a studio artist. Like that's, 
that's truly the work I want to try to do in the world. And I had this, I had this like moment where I just started crying for a long time because I, I realized I was like, I wish I knew this when I was 18. Why am I figuring this out now? Because I wish I had all those years of being single or free and, and like I could tour without having to go. I have three kids at home, so I can only go away for like a few days. Yeah. And I, it's funny, I was just talking to a friend, his name's Levi the Poet, and he's like- I love Levi. Yeah, he's like, dude, I'm over that, like, let's get in a car and let's just go for like two weeks. He's like, it's not, it's not what you think it is. And it's cool, but uh, after a while you're like, oh, I know why people do drugs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know why people get drunk every night, because yeah. there's something, yeah. it's just a hard habit. It's a hard rhythm. Anyways, I, but I had this thing, I was like, oh, I wish I had- the knowledge of this and I could have spent the last 20 years developing it. But what I was being asked was like, well, why can't you start now? And internally what I was saying was like, cause it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to watch a grown ass man like be bad publicly or not good. You know, that's, that's the thing where everything is learnable. And then I say this to myself is like, everything's a learned skill, but you do start at the beginning. And I was like, I'm going to have to be like, I'm going to have to start at the beginning publicly as a middle-aged man when I have people my age who are like doing shows at theaters, directing films, you know, like you and I are the age of people do shit in the world mm -hmm. and they make really good stuff. Mm -hmm. And for you to start trying to do that same thing, you, <laughs> you start not being good. We've all been at it like an open mic or at a, <laughs> we've all been at a, like a, um, uh, what's the market called like a Saturday market and there's like a middle-aged person singing cover songs and you're like that's embarrassing and no one's listening no one's them. listening and you're like and the hat is empty <laughs> I don't want to be that person who's still trying to live their rock and roll dreams and so it was that kind of thing which is like and I look I know I didn't start at like completely being lame I have I've had 14 years of painting and performing yep. in front of people so I'm pretty comfortable with stage um, but it was more of like, could I put, like, could I write and put something together? So I had been taking notes on things that had, this kind of conversation, because I, I actually remember a moment in my house where my inward voices were like, it's embarrassing. You're not going to be good enough. And I was just, mm. and I was like, what is, I, I said it out loud as by myself. And I was like, what is your argument? Where are all these like voices coming from that are trying to stop me from doing this? I was like, that's interesting. And as I wrote them down and I was like, these are the things I have to deal with, these voices. Because if I want to move forward, this voice keeps telling me these things like, you're not good enough, uh, you know, nothing. When I'm in depression, it's like everything's going to stay the same. Nothing mm -hmm. will ever change. And then like giving up, it would be better than really trying. This is how it started. I was like, I needed to start developing a way to pivot off of this or like a practice against this when that voice comes up. And so I started, you know, I was reading and doing and, and listening and, and I started finding some ways. And when I started doing, I found like a way to do that. I'd be like, oh, that works. That really works for me. And then when you make, you know, you're living by creating content. When I found that it works, I, there was a part of me that's like, now you got to monetize this. Yeah. And I was like, don't be a dick. Like this mug says right here. This yes. is a mug I'm drinking of. It says, There's a mug. Dick. It's a good and reminder. Because I was like, don't don't be the person who's like, I found a thing and now I'm trying to make money off it. I was like, make sure it works. So I spent a year just kind of making sure these things really did work. And then I took a cue from inspiration. I just felt the muse say, hey, start talking about this. Like, it's, yeah. it's time to put this together. And that's when 
our incarnation with you was just like, <laughs> I literally took him off Evernote and just kind of wrote a narrative on my sketchpad paper. And that's what I brought. And then after it seeing resonate with people, I was like, let's develop it a little bit more for this next audience and let's develop it a little bit more for this next thing. And then that. So why did I do it? I did it because I was taking notes on something that was happening to me. I realized this is the kind of work I wanted to do. And so how you get better is you just start doing it. You just start doing it. And uh, I had the, I have uh, made a couple books with my friend Justin McRoberts and he, who's been on your podcast, uh, has, he, has he? Or we're going to. Okay. Going it's, to. It's, not yet. It's, it's coming It's going to happen. And he's a 17-year touring musician, author, speaker. And we were doing this event. Hella handsome, too. And he's hella handsome and he's so funny. <laughs> uh, he's a really great guy. We were doing this thing in Chicago together on our book and we were driving back to the airport and I was telling about this and I was like, I think I just need to like stop and and just write it all out, figure it all out. And he's like, mm -mm, I think you should just keep figuring it out in front of people. He's yeah. like, I think you should just keep working it out publicly. And that's where I came up with the like intro, which is like, this is me working it out. Yeah. Like I'm figuring things out. Yeah. And by doing that, I had moments like I had moments with an audience where I was, I would say something and inwardly I'd be like, oh, that's it. I didn't know how to say that. And I figured it out by doing it because there's that pressure. And this is what comedians have talked about. And they're like, I go work the things out. How does it resonate with the audience? Like the lion joke, the, about the female lions don't grow manes. Yes. I would tell that story and nobody would laugh. And I was like, oh, people actually don't know why lions don't grow manes. And so then I was like, oh, I got to develop a joke about that. Cause that's a funny moment that's happening. Whereas like, oh yeah, female lions don't grow manes. That's why if you see a lion with no mane, it's not cause somebody shaved it cause it's hot outside. Yeah, <laughs> It's because they're female and male lions grow manes, you know? And so there was a joke there that I could only have figured out by an interaction with an audience. Yeah, that's a beautiful point actually. We're, we're gonna go all over the place in yeah. this conversation, but the, the, you just gotta do it. Yeah. That, that is keeping so many people that I know and everybody else that I don't know back from yeah. really accomplishing what they want to in mm. life is the lack of ability to fuck up in front of people yeah. and be okay with it, Yeah. right? Because that first night, I mean, this is just one. This is one instance, right? You and me, year yeah. and a half ago, in the blood Bloodwater Mission uh, office, office with seventy five people drinking wine and mm -hmm. you know working our way through this. When we started, it was like, okay, let's do it. Mics yeah. on, let's do this. And I, you obviously have worked through that, and you're okay with you know failing forward in front of people, right? Ooh, that's, I like that. I think that's uh, is that coined? Yeah, Did we it just is. become millionaires. No, no, no. Oh, it's, shoot. it's, uh, it's um, <laughs> what's that? Um, He's a motivational speaker. He's been around for forever. He has a book called Failing Forward. Okay. But I love that phrase um, because that is how we figure out shit in life yeah. is we just do it and we react to, right? We we act and react according to what we're yeah. seeing and yeah. experiencing and feeling from the crowd or whatever the, yeah. whatever the medium is. Uh, but you just got to do it. Yeah. You just got to do it. I have... Can we talk about failing for a second? Yeah. Here's, here's our million dollars, but we're going to give it away on your podcast. Perfect. Is you've only considered one kind of failing. I think there's like two kinds of failings. There's like, if it's on a spectrum. And mostly what we talk about is you have, failure is you have an inner image of what you would like to be. Yeah. And you're not accomplishing that. 
So, oh, I want to kill it on stage and I didn't, I failed. Or I want to kill it in this and I didn't and I failed. But what you haven't considered in the conversation with failure is that there's a, a spectrum of failure that's on the other side, which is you're not as shitty as you think. Like mm. you didn't, <laughs> you weren't as bad as you possibly think. You're actually yeah. somewhere in between. Yep. And so we spend all our time going, well, I'm not accomplishing my inner image that I'd like to be, but you haven't considered like, yeah, but I'm a lot better than like the worst possible scenario. 100%. You know, I still showed up. I still said things on stage. They might've been as coherent or concise as I would liked it, but I didn't just stand up there and like nothing came out or all my teeth get, get really crazy. Like all my teeth fell out or right. I, I exploded and my guts went There's on. There's no scenario where every person in the room points and laughs. Yeah. And it's like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. There's yeah. no, that doesn't happen. Yeah. It does. Yeah. No, it does. We imagine that when we're we thinking imagine that it would, but it's like, no, you, you did this is actually I like how extreme you're taking it though like my teeth didn't fall out i didn't like spontaneously come yeah, bust. Funny the, the roof it. didn't fall in yeah but there's so many like scenarios where we envisioned the worst thing happening and there's a million things yeah. way worse than what we could ever imagine yeah that'll never happen yeah and you're like and you're somewhere in between and so th consider the both sides of failure and go oh well i'm in the middle somewhere and i'm i'm slowly by doing this i'm slowly getting to the place where then the imagined failure will eventually disappear. Uh, like it, I'll just be like, oh, I'm, I'm actually that person. That's the thing. I'm actually that person I, I imagined I could be. And the way to get there was by consistently failing, failing forward right. uh, in that spectrum to get to a spot where it's like, oh, I'm no longer failing because I'm here and I'm doing this and I'm okay with it. I, maybe I learned this because I <clears throat> have done live painting for a long time and I've painted fr in front of like 10 people to five fifteen thousand people yeah uh and i people are like how did you deal with that do you ever get nervous and i was like i for sure get nervous but i started realizing that everybody in the room already is like i can't do that <laughs> you're the only person in the room that can do that or or the only person in the room that really wants to or is okay doing it and so i was like even i just started understanding i was like oh even if i make stuff that i don't like which that's the most embarrassing part. You're like, oh, I wish I killed it a little bit more in front of all these people. But I, I started understanding. I was like, I'm already winning. Like I'm starting from a spot where people are already like, I can't believe that guy's doing that mm, in front of good. all these people. I would never do that. I'm already the person doing something that people were like, I, I, I don't want to do that or I can't do that. So I was like, I'm and, that, and I think I've applied that to people who show up, whether it's a big audience or a small audience, they're like, I'm not doing this. I've come, I've come to hear what you have to say and, and just in the process of doing it, you're doing it. Yeah. So let's talk about fear then. I mean, okay. we've, been, we've been talking about fear. Yeah. But fear is a big part of why you created the show and what you work through as yeah. we go through the show, right? Yeah. And so you said something that I thought was really great that I've never considered before is personifying our fears. Yeah. Right? Like putting a face <laughs> and a name or whatever yeah. to our fears, right? Yeah. Because then... If our fear is faceless, yeah. here's what I'm thinking. If our fear is faceless and nameless and just whatever, it's not there. It's, yeah. just, a, it's just a voice. How can you speak to that? How can you interact yeah. with that fear, yeah. right? It's just a thing. And one second it's over here, one second it's over here. You can never catch up with it. It's just always there whispering in your ear. But if you can put a face and a name and a, a, yeah. a, a, a size to it or whatever, yeah. <laughs> then it's something that you can interact with and point your finger at and yeah. say, whatever, whatever yeah. you need to. So you, your fears are personified as a? 
Which ones? Well, T-Rex. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, the voice, yeah, the voice of giving up. The voice uh, of giving up. The voice right. of giving up, which is a fear. It's a kind of a fear voice. Yeah, I um, I was like, let's make it scary and comical at the same time. Because I was like, it's this presence that's just like, whoa, what? Is, it's overwhelming and it's huge. And this is this is the fun part about creating things. I would encourage people is like, just get really peculiar about like what how do you notice things in the world and so i take this random scene from jurassic park 2 <laughs> where there's a t-rex which is the worst of the jurassic i parks. know well three is pretty bad too but uh, that's yeah. true it does get worse before we get to jurassic, before we world, get to right? jurassic world yes i've always loved dinosaurs and so the thing about that movie is like dinosaurs finally make it to America or, you know, in San Diego. And there, I just remember this scene where it's this like T-Rex is walking around this neighborhood and then this kid sees it outside his window. I don't know why, but I was just like, that's kind of what the voice of giving up is like. It's like this horrible, this massive thing. Just like you're in the comfort of your home. You're in your comfort of your home and it just comes to your window and looks at you and you're like, what is happening? And so I was like, that'd be funny. What if we personified it as that? And then, so then I just, you know, I'm able to talk about it and then it becomes this, like the T-Rex of giving up and it, and, and then it feels like playful and funny. And then, yeah. And then there's also another time where actually to have everybody feel that, and I don't know if I'm giving this away, but I actually pick somebody in the audience to, cause I talked, I was like, let's do this. So I was like, every time I do public speaking, I, I experience this fear and I actually have somebody personify it. Nobody knows. Well, sometimes they stand up with a piece of paper and they read it so you can figure it out. But this guy last night, he, he, just, was good. he just did it. And I told him, I prepped him beforehand. I was like, look, everybody's going to think you, there's going to be a few seconds where everybody hates your guts. You'll, you'll be like the biggest a-hole in the room. People will be like, that guy's a dick. I've had people like shout and be like, sit down. I was stuff. almost there, bud. Yeah. I I've was had, almost there. I've had people like stand up and go like, I think you should leave. <laughs> and... And I was like, but when everybody gets it, it's the best joke of the night. So would yeah. you be willing to do it? And this guy, Sean, did it and he killed it. Yeah, yeah. he and, really, really did. And so I actually let people experience my greatest fear. They actually have an emotional, I because I've planted somebody, it causes the audience to have an emotional experience with my greatest fear and go, that's what it's like. That's my greatest fear in public speaking is somebody would confront me and say, I'm smarter than you. I'm more qualified than you. You're not speaking the truth. You should be ashamed of yourself, you know? Because that's your inner voice is saying that, like the, the imposter syndrome. I think dealing with fear is like really play it out. Like go take it all the way. Like I tell this to other people who are speaking. This has really helped me because I teach a class at a, at a college on public speaking. And this sounds easy at first, but it's like all anybody expects of you is to be yourself. Mm -hmm. So... When you get on stage, your nerves are, I think, a couple things. One is, or maybe three things. One is you want to remember all your material. I get that. Sure. Two, you're trying to be like your favorite speakers, and you can't be them because uh, you can only live into the flourishing of yourself. Mm. So just if you're trying to be like your great, the great orators you love, um, you can't. So just just realize you're trying to, that's, that's what your nerves are. You're trying to be somebody else. So then rest into just like when you're with your friends and you feel comfortable being yourself, be that on stage. That's what everybody wants from you. Nobody wants you trying to be Rob Bell. They want Scott Erickson being Scott Erickson. 
so I, I say this, the spotlight, you can view it two ways. Either it's like a spotlight is on you and it's like a spotlight at a prison because you've been do you're, you're breaking out of prison and you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. And then you get discovered and you're like, oh, I've been seen because what happens when you get on stage is you're being seen. And that's terrifying for people because people haven't done the work of like seeing themselves first and working through all that out. And so then when they get up, they're like, oh shit, everybody's looking at me. I'm being seen. I think that's where a lot of the nerves come. It's you're preparing yourself to be like completely seen by everybody. But you could also view, if you do that work beforehand, you can view that spotlight as like turning on a lamp in your living room with friends and be like, let's have a good conversation. So do the work to go like, I'm getting up here because I'm when they turn the lights on me, it's like I'm turning on a lamp to have a conversation with people I want to get deep with. I just need to be myself in that. Mm. And I figured out ways, you know, I stutter and stumble over my words sometimes, which nobody else has a problem with. I do. Yep. So I just sometimes when I I'll start stumbling and I'll be like, and I'll go, I'll do like a marquee, like take two, you yep. know, or I'll be like, sorry, cheap set, you know, or something yeah. <laughs> like a little joke to go like, yep. yeah, I, I understand I missaid yep. something, but let's start over. Yep. And that becomes endearing to people. You know, if you make this like, I under like, hey, if you expected to be no ums and perfection, I just don't think people care as much, you know? They cared in, in what's really there is like speech class when, you know, when the somebody, they're grading you and they'd mark down how many times you said um and stuff. And so there's this kind of like shame thing going on about, at least for me. Um, but I've just had to be okay with like, actually maybe what's endearing is that I do say, um, or I, I do stumble on my words or, or people I just do, don't, they don't care what you're saying as long as you're being you. Yeah. That's what they want. You. And that's the biggest hurdle for people is that's the thing you have to, you can only live into is the practice of doing it is, is learning how to be yourself in front of people in, in that way. Like you being your real non-anxious self, you know, since we're speaking about public speaking yeah. in, in this yeah. in, right now, I learned everything you're talking about. Yeah. I, I've been speaking in public for years and years mm -hmm. and I'm, um, I'm pretty good at it. I, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I rarely ever feel any nerves at all before going up. I love it. It's just yeah. fun. I'm talking to people Yeah. and I think it's the greatest thing in the world and hope to do much more of it in the future. But there was one, I, I gave a TEDx talk in Chicago and at that point I had spoken publicly many, 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 many times and never. And so we get to Chicago. It's the the night before TEDx, right? And so all of the speakers and the speaking coach we've been working with, yeah. they all get together in this room. Yeah. And we sort of rehearse and we go over some of our some of our talks. Yeah. It was the worst fucking thing that I've ever experienced. Something happened there. I mean I've given I've given 65 minute, which was too much, but 65 minute <laughs> sermons um, on a half page of notes and I killed it. I, yeah. I'm just saying I did. I just did the response and everything. A week after the TEDx, I gave a talk in front of 250 people on a rooftop here in Nashville. It was amazing. I, I prepared for 30 minutes and I gave a I gave a 30 minute talk on 30 minutes of prep and it was wonderful. Yeah. No nerves. Yeah. But this time, and I don't get, I just, I, I don't wrestle with a lot of these, you know, fears of public speaking or speaking in front of people or sticking my neck out. I just don't care. Yeah. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, challenger, protector. Yeah. Yeah. Just go out there and just do it. I just don't care. Yeah. But this particular time was one that I learned a lot from because I get in this room. There's eight people in the room, yeah. eight people that I don't know. And just jet, like, 
I care about you as a human, but I don't know you from anybody. So I don't yeah. care about you. I don't care about impressing you or not impressing you. Yeah. I'm gonna get in here in front of the speaking coach and uh, share my talk before we do it tomorrow in front of the cameras, right? Yeah. And somehow I listened to voices I had never listened to before. Yeah. The pressure from, you know, it's a TEDx oh, yeah. talk. Like yeah. what if this thing goes viral? It's just the beginning of my speaking <laughs> career. Right? So, like everybody yeah, totally. thinks that. Everybody thinks that. Yeah. And you wanna know the, the, the real gritty truth is? Less than two thousand people have watched my TEDx talk yeah. because it got it just got buried. buried. It wasn't one of the ones that took off. So less than two thousand people, fewer than two thousand people have watched it online. Yeah. But in that moment, I was thinking, this is the greatest, most pivotal moment of my life. Yeah. And I almost, I mean, my wife looked at me and she's like, "What is going on?" I I got on the red dot, uh, the red circle, in front of eight people in this room in this building. Yeah. And I froze. Yeah. I've been working on this talk for months. Yeah. I overprepared. Yeah. I had every word memorized. Yeah. And when I got in front of those people, not a word. I couldn't get past my first paragraph. Couldn't think of it. She was giving, my wife was giving me prompts. Like here's, these prompts should have worked. I knew everything by heart. Yeah. Couldn't remember what was have coming. Have you figured out, do you, do you know why that happened? I would think that what happened is the whole point of trying to share something with somebody was subverted in that moment. Cause it was like, oh, I'm just trying to, I'm doing this so a coach can give me notes. I'm doing this to impress these people. Instead of going, like, instead of the mental shift about, like, what if I'm just giving this talk to eight people? Yeah, I just, I feel like the situation kind of subverted what the point of sharing or talking is. 100%. And it became this, like, different dynamic of trying to accomplish something. And so what you prepared for was that actual sharing. And then that all got taken away and you entered into a different dynamic that wasn't, yeah, it was more like, and let's they, look at the mechanics of this instead of the heart of it. And that I feel like I'm empathetic to going, yeah, I could see how you could get in that spot. Um, and they, I, I spoke at a, like a little, it wasn't TEDx, but it was like a Vancouver, Washington version. And I remember the rehearsals and they're weird. I had to make it like a real mental shift because they just want to see it. And I was like, it feels icky. Like, yeah, it's like trying to do the mechanics without any like heart in it, because the heart is the presence of an audience and the presence of that. That's moment. what I was preparing for. Yeah, right? that's what you're preparing for. And it's they like, had. How do I be present to all this magic? And then you're like, you take it all away and it's just like a room. I also worked it up into something that yeah. like, you know, I think it's totally. funny. I have I have a bunch of friends. Uh, I won't call them out by name, but a bunch of friends that have done TEDx talks. But in their like Twitter bio, they say TED speaker. Yeah, like, you're not a fucking TED speaker, dude. <laughs> Like tr Don't. truthfully, any almost anyone can give a TEDx talk. Yeah. Like it is so easy. That all season I is did, over. All exactly. That season when it meant something first couple is over. years. Now, like literally, I could I could do two more TEDx talks this year if I wanted. Yeah. With the stuff that I'm doing, the the projects I'm creating. Yeah. Like easily, you find the organizer name. You say, hey, I'm doing this thing. Let's give a damn. Or I'm doing this other thing. Blah blah blah. And I want to give a talk on X. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. We got to fill our roster up. Yeah. And then you show up in Missoula, Montana, and give your TEDx talk, and yeah. it's like. But they had said they had told me like we think your talk is the strongest, so we're gonna put you last. You're gonna be the closer, yeah. right? So I came into this whole thing thinking they yeah. think I'm the shit. Yeah. It was just a bad. It was a bad moment in my life, yeah. and I listened to all these. I had never experienced anything like that in my life because I've never just experienced fear of getting in front of people or whatever. I mean, I'm a, always a little. There's always a little like nerves where mm -hmm. it's like I need. I want to kill it. I want to yeah. do well. Yeah but never fear. Yeah. And then I do this thing in front of eight people in a room, people I don't know or care about generally. And so anyway, That's so I, I, I love what you're bringing up because yeah. public speaking is, we're going for the ultimate fear because we're addressing public speaking. I yeah. mean, people fear public speaking more than 
I just saw it yesterday, actually. Isn't it like death it's, is the first one and that's public speaking? Yes. Like literally before getting a sh be getting like eaten by a shark or something yeah. crazy yeah, like something that. Crazy. It's I fear dying and then yeah. I fear speaking in front of people. Which is so we're going after yeah. the ultimate fear here. Yeah. Which if people can conquer whatever it takes to get in front of a bunch of people and share your ideas and your vision for life, yeah. then they can do whatever. Well, let's do a like maybe a more practical, let's step off from there because what if people are listening and they're not doing performance things. Uh, but they're doing like, what if I want to start a business or I want to do this thing? Here's some elements of it. Uh, are you okay um, not being good at it at first, but willing to go, hey, I might not be good at this the first month, but in a year I'll be a lot better. I'll figure out how to run a business. I'll figure out how to figure out the wording. I worked at a church for a long time where I would paint every service and we had five services. So I do the same painting five times in a row. And what I learned about that was like, oh, the fifth time, actually sometimes it was the fourth and the fifth time I was too tired and it didn't turn out as good. But when I meet people who make stuff and they're like, oh, this isn't great. I was like, I think you need to do it two more times. And they're like, what? I just, you know, I did it once. You know, like, no, no, no. What if you made this painting four times? Do you think the fourth time it'd be better? You would have learned things? And they're like, I've never even thought about that. I thought you just make paintings once. You just start and it's like, mm-mm, no. All the greats did like test paintings. They did, they like really practice it yeah. before they got to the thing. I was like, you're judging yourself on the first time you tried it. Do it four times. You, even starting businesses or uh, when you start running for something, you don't judge yourself the first day you go running for a marathon. That day hurts. But you go, what am I like three months from now after training? You know, it's these kinds of things. So can our, do you have the possibility of getting better? I think what's the hardest thing is like allowing yourself to <laughs> see yourself as not as good as you'd imagined, but, but giving some grace to go, well, this is how you start and this is how you get better. And then what kind of pressures have you put on yourself about what this is supposed to do, what this is supposed to mean? And is that the thing that's fucking you up the most? Not the work itself. It's what you expected or you put on it. I actually, like I have goals, but I have very low expectations on myself, maybe as a survival skill. But um, I think like with the say yes thing, I would love it to become a big thing. I remember a friend encouraged me because I, I, I was like, I don't know where this goes. I don't know. And he's like, just let it be what it needs to be. And he's like, maybe you do it 20 times and that's it. But he's like, maybe, or maybe you do it 200 times. You don't know. Just see where it wants to take you. See where it needs to go and just learn from that experience. Oh, because I was all in my head about it had to be this epic thing. And he goes, you know, he was in, he's in bands and he's like, we would, he's like, when I was in this band, we'd get all in our heads in the studio about making the album and what we'd say to each other is like this is the album before the album we have to go through this to get the next album is going to be the album but this one let's just make this what it needs to be and he's like maybe this is the show before the show um because mm. i was like how is this not like a 10 minute powerpoint on better mental health and practices you know how do you make these things into like a hour hour and a half show and he's just like just let it be what it needs to be and then make the show the thing that like launches your career on the next one. But learn from this one. Just this is the show before the show. Get through this one and then you'll get to the next one. And that just helped me take all the pressure, all the pressure of what off. it was supposed to be. And that's when I just started with you and then with other people. I just started talking about it and I saw it resonated. So then I developed more and more. And now I just I'm trying to take it as I, I believe I have something to share. So actually, here's so here's what I still do when I get nerves. 
for a new situation. Because right now I'm um, talking with the Hollywood Improv and I'm booking a show there. And they're like, yeah, Aziz and Dave Chappelle were just here and you'll be in the same room as them. And I'm like, those guys are masters. I have comedy in my show, but it's not like a full on comedy show. So I have a lot of nerves about that. But here's here's what I say to myself. Like even when I'm going to a venue, I, I say four things. I go, I've had an experience and I have something to say about it. And I And number two, I know by sharing this story, it's healing to me. And then number three, and by sharing my story, it becomes healing to other people because it's healing for other people to share their stories and then to listen. And that helps you get in touch with your own story. And mm. that becomes healing. And then number four, this is the kind of work I want to do in the world. And this is me getting better at it. And I, so I remind myself why I'm putting all this hard work, why I'm allowing myself to be seen um, and going, that's my expectation is that I'm just going to be honest. And people might be, I can't be in control if people are like, that sucked. I wish we sure. didn't get a babysitter. I wish we would have yeah. just gone to the Cheesecake Factory and said, you know, I'm not in control of that. What I'm in control of is like, did I put something together that I think is interesting? Is it honest? I'm using the skills of humor and art and storytelling. You know, there are that's those skills involved, but it's going, why? What it, why are you doing this? Like, what's the motivation? And I was like, because this whole experience is transformational and healing for me and the participants. And so that's what I need to keep tapping into. And that's why I'll go to the improv and possibly like not be as good as Aziz and Dave Chappelle, have the manager be like, this isn't a good fit here. But I actually don't know what's going to happen there. I actually think what's happening in comedy is a bit more of this kind of comedy and like, let's talk about things. Oh, yeah. And we, we talked last night about Aziz Ansari's new special, his right? New special, yeah. There are definitely jokes involved. Yeah. But it's him talking about his completely and utterly shitty year. Mm -hmm. It's him talking about his life experiences yep. and people love, love that. They're like, that's what they I want. They don't want you to be like, I, you know, the other day I was on a plane. It's like, no, you weren't. You just came up, you just made that joke. Yeah, you yeah. weren't on a plane or you weren't walking through yeah. Target and yeah. you saw this thing happen. That's just a, that's just a routine. We can feel if that was a genuine interaction yeah. or if it's just like something you made up to yeah. be funny Yeah. and people love, they want to hear about your experiences yeah. and hear your take on it. And I have a friend who's kind of like post church and he's very like, you know, and he's like, you should take some of the religious stuff out. And I was like, no, no, that's my specifics. Now I've worked really hard to develop language that's diffusing. And to, because I think what people have a problem with, with religious talk is it's always like, come sign up with me, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I'm not asking you to sign up at and for anything. This is yeah. not a cult meeting, whatever I'm going to use. And I, and I preface that where I was like, I'm going to use these stories because these, what these, why we tell these stories still is because they help us see that we're in the same moment now. And so it's not like that happened back then. It's like, no, that's happening right now. By telling that story, we see that uh, we are also like followers of good news and still are comparing ourselves to each other. Mm. And, and it, it was happening back then. It's happening now. And so I'm going to tell that story because it helps. But I was like, but those are my specific perceptions and experiences. And that's what we want. We want when you show up to something, you're just like, tell me about what the life you're living is. I want to know all your thoughts. This morning, Tifa and Audrey, we were talking and they're like, Tifa's like, you know, you had that picture of the heart with a doorway and a staircase in it. And she's like, what it felt like last night was just like, you took us on a journey to kind of 
the ridiculousness and the deep thoughts you have about the subject matter. And you just kind of let us, you just, we just kind of wandered around with you to all of those things. And that was really fun to do yeah. that. You could make jokes that are a little like crass and funny, but then go and, and then really contemplate like, what does existence mean? They're not compartmentalized. You can't just talk about existence and be super serious. Like, I mean, you can, but it's not as interesting. Like existence is absurd and magical at the same yeah. time, you know, like the Pope has diarrhea. Mother Teresa had a monthly period. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we are biological and sacred and it's the mix of both of those things. And like, yeah, the spirit moves, but also I have gas and like, um, yep. there it's, and in Hebrew, it's the same word, you know? So yep. like what, yeah. <laughs> what is like, that's the essence. I think what we're looking for in, in conversations about, I think life and performing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we talked about fear, voices of doubt, and you just mentioned the words like kind of magical. And so I want the word magical. And so I want to go into wonder right now. Yeah. So if I think people already have learned a little bit about conquering fear, overcoming fear, personifying yeah. it, yeah. speaking to it. Okay. Now, if we're getting past that, now we're at a place where it's like, okay, I have, I'm, I'm speaking directly to my fear. I told it to get the fuck away from me or whatever, or I'm not going to listen to it in the way that I did before. But now what, what drives us to then go create meaningful things in the world, right? Yeah. In, in this particular case, and the point of the show is giving a damn, yeah. right? It's it's seeing things that are wrong in the world and doing something about it. I think what you address wonder, mm -hmm. which I think is a key component yeah. to, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I mentioned that already. So I'm a challenge. I'm always looking for, I am I, naturally, I go toward what's shitty in the world. Yeah. I'm going to speak up. Yeah. I'm going to address it. Yeah. I'm going to hopefully offer some solutions, but I tend to look at the, like the the bad stuff that's happening. And I forget to look at the amazing things that are happening, yeah. which are really the things that are going to, like bad things happening are gonna drive me for a little bit to mm -hmm. correct injustices and to fix shit, mm -hmm. but it's only gonna go so far. Yeah. The the real fuel for the journey yeah. is wonder, Yeah. right? Yeah. I think so. And so you talked a little bit about wonder. You talked about, you know, familiarity kills wonder. Yeah. And I love, you talk about these paintings yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, and so, Lisfield. as much as we can without visuals, like describe those paintings, describe what's going on, and how we need wonder. Yeah. To I think keep the journey going. Yeah. So what? Yeah. In this segment, I'm addressing the voice of giving up that says nothing's going to change, which is a key experience in kind of depression, which just feels like every day is going to be this shitty day over and over and over again, and thinking about existence like that sounds awful. So or it makes me want to kill myself or check out and some medicate some way. So, uh, I didn't say this in the talk. Sometimes I do, but Joseph Campbell, the famous mythologist mm -hmm. historian said, um, he goes, I think people, what they think they want to know is what's the meaning of life. And he's like, I actually don't think that's what people really want to know. I think what they want to experience is the rapturous experience of being alive. Mm. And so, what is the meaning of life is a knowing solution. Wonder is the rapturous experience of being alive. It's when the narratives about what you should or what this is stop and you're just there enjoying existence. Like when you're, when you're witnessing something beautiful, you're not like, you're not thinking about what are my long-term goals? You're just like, this is amazing. Mm. 
this feels so good. Like there's a moment in surfing and people surfers say this all the time. They'll just be like, it's just good to be in the water. Like even if the waves are crappy that day, people will just be like, it's just good to be in the water. Like that's a, that's like a mantra because that, cause you're like, you're just being there. You're just witness and experiencing waves and nature and flow. And you're just like, it's just good to be here. Mm. And I think that's what, that's why people keep going back. That's what, that's what we want is we just want to enjoy being here. And so what I was realizing is like all these narratives are actually in the way of that and wonder helps me get out of that and go, I'm just glad to be here or just I'm enjoying being here. And so I, I show these paintings to help us understand where this, this guy named Scott Lisfield paints this astronaut walking around our world and there's no other humans in the painting. So it's just like scenes from our world and there's an astronaut and because there's no other humans. We don't, take the perspective of anybody else but the astronaut. So we've mm -hmm. become like a visitor to our own existence. And I was like a way to start hacking into wonder because you should go into nature and you should go like look at the stars and you should go to like great experiences and all that stuff. But we also just have responsibilities every day. So I started working on like what's a what's a hack I could do. And my the hack was this question, which is what don't I know? And approaching mm -hmm. life as a visitor or as like an astronaut um, to my own existence and go because like if you've ever traveled and you show up to a new place you're like I have no idea what's going on this is amazing yeah and then you're there for like three days and you're like I get it you know and you're bored with all the something that was amazing you marry a woman and or a man or you know whatever you marry somebody else or you're in a relationship and it's so exciting at the beginning oh so exciting you're euphoric and they're like this magical beings in front of me and then you've been with them for like a year and you're like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I, you and I both feel we've been with women for a long time yeah. and I was just, I really love my wife and I'm so Same. like, it's, I don't it's, love your wife. I love I, my yeah, wife. Yeah. I'm attracted and we have this chemistry where I'm just around her and I'm like, you know, like, Oh, you do stuff to me. But yeah. like, but I also, I've, it gets plain Jane too. It gets like, of course, uh, you know, cause like things don't last that way. But, um, I think there's, there's too much to take in. So if you just spend just even like 30 seconds and just going, what don't I know about what's happening mm. right now? What don't I know about like this room? Who built this house? Where is these floor? Where do they come from? Who designed that wallpaper? How long yeah. did that take to design? You're like, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, there's so much wondrous stuff around me all the time. No matter where you no go. No matter where you are. I even do this prayer practice with people where I'm just like, find your heartbeat you know, in your chest and your, you know, wherever, and just pay attention as like your, your existence is something you're not in control of. Mm. You don't get to control your heart. You didn't choose it. It's just there. It's working. Most of the time you don't know it and your very existence and being is something you're not in charge of. It's grace. So it's like your existence is based on grace. <laughs> you can just do that and go, it's beautiful. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and just, it's just that kind of thing. Cause where we get all caught up and, and fucked up and just like blocked is we're like, I'm not accomplishing this narrative. I'm not good enough or I, this isn't going to work out. And it's just like, so much is happening already. Stop, get into that mentality. This is what like Tony Robbins and I need to tap into how much money he makes, but he, it's he, a lot. It's a lot. But what he does, him and his, he's talked about it. I learned some of this from him where he's just like, whenever I have to make a decision, my calculating mind wants to go, what are these? And he goes, what I do is I slow down. 
I take some breaths. I think of three, I envision three things that just recently happened to me that I'm grateful for. Mm. How good those enchiladas tasted. That sweet hug from my child. How I saw beauty in the world. And he's like, I get into that space of that gratitude. And then I bring up that situation or decision I need to make and go, what does my heart want? How does my heart want to respond to this? And he goes, because I need to move from this like calculating mind to this like deep essence of knowing and being and gratitude gets you there. And so, and I would say wonder is part of that too. Mm -hmm. And then go, anyways, it's just a different place to live and make a decision from. And it's a daily practice. Like I, it's not easy to just hold it all the time. Like you just have to, so just throughout the day, even yesterday, I po I was at the <laughs> Las Vegas airport, and I was like, I hate this place. And it's you responded, you're like, it's the worst. And then a woman, re she's like, hey, you should give it some credit. She's like, I was stuck there for like six hours one time. Uh, this guy was cleaning up. Uh, or he was like a janitor there, and he was taking his break. And I like bought him some food, and we talked, and he let me sleep in the staff lounge. And we talked about God it's and, amazing. and I had, she's like, I had this really profound experience with like this person there. And I was like, you're so right. And oh my gosh. I feel like because I got, now. cause I yeah. went in going, this is the fucking worst airport. Yeah. And I went it's in smoky there and it's, it's just gross. And the, oh, I don't really think this audience, but the pieces of trash that are like gambling at an airport like fuck you yeah, how bad are fuck you, you yeah. and your existence that's, how much do you hate life i'm being really honest that's like my inward dialogue i just look at i'm like look at these pieces of shit just gambling at an airport like yeah. this is what you're doing with your life like go you know we don't need you yeah. like that's the unedited unfiltered version this is going to come back and haunt me and what she was going is like you're not seeing deeply enough Mm. you're not seeing these people. And I was like, you are right. I went in going, this is what it is. This is what I can expect from it. I didn't go in going, what don't I know about this room? What don't I know about all these people in and out? This is why they do vacation. This is why they are at the slot machine at an airport. What don't I know? What are their stories? What are their mysteries? What are their secrets? What are their experiences? Like I had this experience where I was in the rental car line, which is the worst, right? Cause you're like, I just want my car and I want to get out of here and I do it cheaply. And so I was in the one line that was forever. I was by this old man standing in front of me. He really wanted to jibber jabber with me. I was like, I just want to finish listening to this book I'm listening to, but I had talked to him for a while. Long story short, he fucking made stuff for the Apollo missions. I was standing next to an old man who helped get people on the moon, who yeah. then after that went and worked for an organization that was getting people to Mars. I, what? But I was standing in line going, this isn't getting me where I wanna go. This is how I'm seeing everything. And right there was like a hero of space travel. And I couldn't see it until I allowed myself to be there, talk to him. And then it took like a half hour. We were in line for an hour. It was like that kind of line. And it was like a half hour into it. I was like, oh shit, you, what? This is a guy, what? You know, when, yeah, it, when it hit that's me. That's baffling. And I was like, oh, I would have missed this if I just yeah. was like, I need to finish this book. I need to, you know what I'm saying? It was right there. That And so imposing, it just going like, what if that's all around me all the time? Yeah. It's just gonna take me going, what don't I know? And being open to letting that reveal itself. That is a more magical way to live. That's the way that I want to live. Now I'm having to practice this now with little kids being a homebody. Like when I travel, it's cool and stuff, but I'm at home a lot. 
And I'm having to do that in like really simple ways. Like what's, what's the stuff? Cause there's lots of laundry and dishes yeah. and childcare and unmet expectations and goals as an artist. I'm like, I'm going to change the world in my studio, but I can't get there. Cause you keep, uh, needing me. Yeah. Children yelling at me, get out of the way. I want to go change the world in my studio, yeah. you know? And I have to, it gets down to the real nitty gritty of life of just like this mundane, responsibilities how does this stay wondrous what's happening i think that question what don't i know yeah can change everything yeah i'm not just saying that because we're talking about it right now yeah if we walked into every room and every circumstance saying what don't i know yeah complaining goes out the door bitching goes out the door looking at our kids the way we do sometimes goes out the door ever whining about being in a in a lot getting your car rental line or saying it or being in one of the worst airports ever like all of that is gone yeah if we go into every circumstance at las vegas airport and be like what don't i know can i okay i'm gonna tell you one story on this please yes i i totally agree this this isn't my story this is a guy named jamie winship him and his wife donna do all this great identity work stuff check him out uh he's he is a man of faith but he's been a, he was a police officer and all this but he's like he developed this way to listen he like hears the voice of the divine and he's had experiences like he had an experience because he used to work for the CIA too. Mm-hmm. He had this experience where he was a cop and a girl had been kidnapped and they're trying to figure out and a car drove by and he was like, the spirit was like, she's in that trunk and he got in his car, pulled a person over and she was holy shit. And his, his, his captain was like, how did you know? And he's like, honestly, like the spirit of God told me and he's like, okay, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how you, you found, we just out, found that right. girl. And this kind of stuff started happening to him to where the CIA was like, what's going on with you? We'd like to, you know, so he worked for the CIA for a while. And then he started doing this stuff. If him and his wife felt compelled to go work in the Islamic world. And that's a whole long story. He told me the story where he was like, I got picked up by these guys. They picked me up, put me in the back of their car. And they were basically taking me to cut off my head and make a video. Cause I was a white Westerner living in, I think they were Iraq or somewhere. And he was like, I was going to die. And I was just like, <laughs> he's just like, spirit, do you want to tell me something? And this, he heard the spirit say, tell that guy you want to be his friend, the guy driving. And he goes, and he goes, Hey, I think we're going somewhere, but I actually want to be your friend. And he said, the guy laughed and, and, and stopped the car and turned around. He's like, you want to be my friend? And he goes, yeah, I actually do. And he just looked at him and he's like, okay, tomorrow you're going to come over to my house and meet my family. What? And he went and dropped him off. He's like, you show up tomorrow. If you don't show up tomorrow, I'm going to find you and we'll do this again. What? And he's like, this guy's like one of my best friends now. What didn't I know about the situation? Well, oh, these terrorists, they're doing this and stuff. But what he didn't, and he speaks more about it. He's like, what he didn't know is that this man also thought this certain way about Westerners and America, and this is all they are. And they're in the way. And that one and, question. And actually should... the deeper wound was like, nobody, I've, nobody's ever wanted to know me or befriend me. And he was, and actually his deepest longing was like, I'd like to know this foreigner. I'd like to know this man from this other place. Hmm. I'd actually like to know and be known by him, which is our deepest motivators. I just think that, that is the work of divine love in the world. That mm-hmm. is what we're being invited to in our relationships, in our work, in our lives. I want to tap into that, you know? That's what I want to tap into. That's so, beautiful. Yeah, That's beautiful. but it is a daily practice. It's a daily practice. So it helped me to figure out that, like, 
what don't I know? This, what you're saying is like, when I write this book, this is when I cash in. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. Let's spend the last few minutes okay. on you suck and are ugly. Because uh, yeah. I think yeah. your bit on that, which yeah. we're going to talk about right now, yeah. is also not maybe not equally as life-altering as what don't I know when I walk into every room and every circumstance, but it's hugely important because yeah. I also think that people are not doing what they were put on planet Earth to do yeah. because they're listening to that voice, yeah. whatever shape it takes, whether yeah. it's T-Rex or their mom or their friend or an alien, whatever shape that's taking for them. Yeah. The voice is saying, you suck and are ugly. You can't do this. You're yeah. not good enough to yeah. do it. You're too old. You're too this. You're too that. There's something wrong with you that's always going to keep you There's something wrong getting... with you that's going to keep you from doing it. They're listening to that. And, yeah. they're, and, and the world is not getting better because yeah. they're not doing their thing. Yeah. Everybody that's listening right now, every single person that's hearing our conversation has something in their life like that. Every person, without a doubt. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about why that is a shitty voice yeah. and why we must overcome it in order to yeah. do what we're called yeah. to do. Well, we're more, especially in this culture, we're presented with all these ideals of what success looks like. Um, success in your body looks like abs and skinniness and muscles, a certain kind of jawbone and a nose and hairline and all that kind of stuff. We're given ideals of what success looks like in bank account. It's we were talking about Fight Club earlier. It's like yeah. you're not your bank account. You're not your khakis. You're not you know you're, and so uh, we're given all these like things. And so constantly we're just when we we go well those type of people make it because they have all those things. I don't. Um, you know, there's a thing with getting older. I'm in my I'm almost 42, and like my knees last year were like we're done. You know, and so I can't <laughs> run as well as much. I have a lot of pain. And I have, I've, I actually want to do, I think I want to do this, but I was like, yeah, my body type, like nobody's inviting me to do a swimsuit shoot, you know? But I was like, but I shouldn't disregard or dismiss the magicalness of my body because it doesn't look good in a Speedo. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because my body hugs children. It cleans up the table. It offers a, a, a warm handshake to somebody else. I was like, what do you mean it's not good enough? It does all these wonderful things. It, uh, it can pick up the gas pump and put gas in my car. It bends down to smell the grass. Like it does so many wonderful things, but I start going, it's not good enough because I don't look good for the Speedo catalog. What mm -hmm. are you talking about? Yeah. You know, but that's the shit we get caught up in. It's mm -hmm. like, it's not beautiful. It's not good or whatever. And that is a real hard work. I think uh, because we're so inundated and bombarded with stuff all the time that it gets in there. But I think the the deeper thing is like what and my premise is like there is a place of success that you want to get to like and it's different for everybody. Some it, And I think that actually that desire is your vocational work like it is the journey you're being invited into. But what trips you up is immediately of you think you need to, you start going, oh, yeah, but to get there, you have to be this way and I'm not that way. Mm. And so we go, oh yeah. And then we, and then we start into this comparison and really we get into this culture of comparison, and yep. we, which we're in more than any other human beings right now. And it's, it's literally killing us. You talk us. about how your, the, the object of your comparison is 
Kanye West. It was Kanye West for Kanye a long time. Was, Se- was. Secretly. Yeah. Secretly for years because I met him and then I found out we're the same age. And so it's just strictly by a number created by astronomy. I was like, well, I texted you this. I'm the same age as Kanye West, John yep. Foreman, Gary Vaynerchuk, yep. who are tremendous in all their areas. Yep. And I'm like, late start guy yeah or something like that and you were like whatever you know like we had this interesting text conversation. yeah but we we will go well i should be there because that's what the age i'm at and this is what the age you should be a comp again it's this like what do you think you're supposed to you're supposed to do at this age it's supposed to look like this and we discuss at points about like Lots of people didn't have flourishing lives till later on. 100%. They didn't get into their real gifting till later on. A few of the me- names we mentioned, which I, I think are just good because it helps people put a face. Like, these are people that yeah. everyone knows. Yeah, like, the, the Samuel L. Jacksons of the world. We love Samuel L. Yeah, Jackson. And he was 46, right? Before he... F- 43. 43 before, before his, biz- his first, like, real role. Big role, yeah. Ellen DeGeneres. These are people that, like, she had her show, but then she thought it was over because of her coming out. Oh, and then yeah. it wasn't, she wasn't, like, she's 60-something. She's yeah. 60. She's 60. 60. So it wasn't until your age yeah. that she found her, her like, calling, her yeah. true, like, destiny. The yeah. Oprahs, the yeah. uh, Martha Stewart's. The, yeah. These are people that have achieved. Well, you just said, didn't you say me Martha Stewart didn't get started till like, 40, oh, yeah. it was yeah, 45, yep. something like that? Yeah, and look yeah. at her. I mean, look at her now. Yeah, and the thing is, is, like, infer your narrative to them. Would you have been, like, if you met Martha... Uh, I don't know if I love Martha Stewart. Let's think of somebody we yeah. really love yeah. and have affection for. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. If you would have met Samuel L. Jackson at 36, would you just been like, yeah, what a loser? Or you Probably. Know, Some of us would have. You probably would have yeah. dismissed him. But it was like, okay, but how much do we love the gift he's given to us? Like, kids, go to fucking sleep. You know, have you read yeah. that? Thing? Yes. It's like all the funny things. And we love Samuel L. Jackson. It's like, okay, are we allowing... What we needed to do was allow him to get a chance where that was able to enter into that knownness can we infer that same thing to our own story like that our like and 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 we have to be really wary of what success is and what we want like success looks like everybody knows my name it's like well what do you think that's going to do for you because actually seth godin who we love seth's like the mass market's over it's like it's for a yeah. certain few and very few human beings ever will be like globally known celebrities. You travel anywhere. I went to Buenos Aires or Argentina and Buenos Aires, and I remember walking around being like, I have no idea who any of these celebrities are who are right. on like magazines and posters. Yep. And I was like, every place has their like celebrities. Yep. And but what you're really longing for is this kind of knownness and fr- flourishing of yourself. And so, anyways, yeah, the move in comparative conversations is to move from contra- uh, comparison to contribution and going huge point. I can contribute today. I can be a contribution today in small, big ways, but actually maybe big ways only come from the day-to-day small contributions. In fact, I think they would. Samuel Jackson had been continuing acting, doing small roles and roles and roles till somebody was like, Spike Lee was like, hey, how about you be in my film, Jungle Fever? And then and then that people were like, oh, this guy. Yeah. But he didn't just, I mean, there are every now and then somebody just shows up and they're like, you in this movie and that happens. But like mostly it's like, it's the craft. Bare Naked Ladies were banned for 12 years before people in, before they started getting airplay in the United States. Yeah. 12 Wild. years. Have yeah. you done anything for 12 years? To then, what if you knew, like, uh, hey, this thing that you want to do, it's going to take you 12 years, and then it finally pays off. Yeah. Are you willing to do the 12 years of obscurity? 
In fact, I would say, and this is what I, I don't talk about this in the show, but I, I've learned this, that actually obscurity is where you're going to find your voice. Mm. So if you want to be like, if you want to accomplish a business or work, you need to go through where nobody knows who you are. Nobody gives a fuck who you are. Mm -hmm. Nobody's paying attention to you. Yeah. And you have to have the deepest conversation, which is, what do I want to say? Yeah. And am I going to be faithful to say it even though no one's listening? Yeah. What do I want to say? What do I want to see happen? What, what do I care about? I want to do those things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and this is only can happen by experience. I had early on, this is, we are not trouble guests. I had two shows in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and six people came the first night and five the next night. <laughs> and how long ago is this? Uh, three years ago. I think that's important for people to yeah. really hear though. Yeah. Five people showed up to your show. It was totally disappointing. Just three years ago and you were 39. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I remember standing in the back going, how well are you going to do tonight? Mm. Is it up to the crowd size to manifest how much you believe in what you're saying? Or is it up to you? And I was like, it's up to me. Mm. So I was like, you better perform the hell out of this for five people. Because one person there could have, it could change their life. Yeah. They could be like, hey, I work for Time Magazine. Can we do an article on it? Right. I don't know. You, you don't know. You, 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 you have know. no idea. Yeah. You don't know who's there. And But really this like, what do you believe? That's the core of that keeps you going is like, why am I doing this? I believe I have something to say. I believe this will change me and change others. And this is the kind of work I want to do in the world. And so I, I, I was like, so no longer, it's not that I don't care about the audience. The audience isn't the motivator. Yeah. The audience is like the extra magic that comes from you being the motivator or the, the inner motor, the mm -hmm. inner engine that runs you. And so, and I think that's, Practicing contribution does that. It's like, what are the small ways I can do this? You know, and it we'd have to get really specific on you want to become a writer. How are you writing every day? What's the little things? Yep. I've heard, you know, and this is people are like microblog on Instagram. Write your thoughts down and things. Start something. You don't get to just step into a book, make a bunch of things that end up becoming a book, you know, like or just go right. From, I don't know, whatever. Like, what is the thing you want to do? You want to. Anyways, so that's, that's I, I love how last night you said I think you said it this way: contribution is what you love catalyzed. Catalyzed, yeah, right. It's I think it's that's, your love catalyzed. So comparison to contribution, and then what does that mean? Well, it's what you love, yeah, catalyzed, and then like put into motion. So I love, uh, and this is part of my own revelation: is like I love stand-up comedy, I love theater and one-man shows. I never went to a school with a theater department. I, and part of my mourning was just like, fuck, if I would have been in high school musicals, maybe I would have understood this about myself, but my life would have gone on a completely different track or whatever. And so I just had to make amends. Like it didn't happen that way, but now I know I do. And these women and men who do this well, they had to start at just not being good. I listened to Steve Martin's book about uh, comedy and, or being a standup. And he's like, I was not funny for six years of doing stand up. And then finally I started feeling like I started figuring it out. And so then the question's like, it's hey, wild. would you be willing to do six years of work in order to get to the spot where you could become a Steve Martin funny? Because everything's a learned skill. And that's the question you have to go like, am I willing to, <laughs> to keep doing this? Because this is the way in which you get there. So the contribution is like, 
these small things. And then, and really, yeah. And it's what you love. So it's like, you'll do it because you love it. You love being there. You love doing this thing. And then I think paying attention to what you love, like say yes is a culmination of things I love. I love storytelling. I love jokes. I love images. I love art talk. I love, uh, movie talk. I love karaoke. I love ceremonial like rituals. Yeah. And and I'm trying to bring all of those in there in a way that's like, these are all the things I love. These are all the things I want to like. When So when I think about a subject matter, I'm like, we should have all of these things. What's the art? What's the song? What's the ritual? What's the joke? You know, and bringing that all in. At the very end of your show, so at the beginning, you begin by saying, one day I just started crying uncontrollably for an hour yeah i didn't know why yeah i went and sat on the toilet and my wife was like what's going on and you're like i don't know and then at the very end you tell everybody uh why yeah share why you were right before like why why without even like not knowing why you were crying for an hour like what yeah. what was going on there that came to fruition in like all of the you know yeah. the show it, yeah it kind of embodied this entire so show the, yeah the beginning story is about crying on this toilet and and I say physically and psychologically, I started, my body just told me a dream, your dream is dying. Yep. And I didn't mentally know it, but my body was like, let me get you in touch with what's going on. And Tifa and I just had this conversation this morning about paying attention to our bodies and bodies are often the place where we start to understand ourselves. And so, so I was like, oh, dream's dying. And then we get into what is a dream. And then that, like the whole show is kind of examining yep. that. Yep. And then it comes back to why I was crying is because I started, I, I started figuring out at 39 what I wanted to do. And I was mourning the idea, the dream I had, which was, oh, I knew this at 18 and I'd spent my whole life so far mm. doing that. And I, I say, I was like, I feel like I've just been fumbling down some stairs into my present day. And I, I wish I knew earlier and I wish, cause my creative heroes are like my age or even younger than me. And they've been doing all the things I, I wished I was doing. And uh, I had to really grieve and mourn that. But I had to let that dream get out of the way so I could get to the deepest desire in me, mm. which was like, I want to do this still. And so I had to commit and say yes to that. Mm. And so say the big reveal of say yes is, um, this is me saying yes. This is my actual saying yes yeah. to that desire. So I'm embodying in a way, like I'm embodying that conversation. This is yeah. my embodiment of the conversation of not yeah. giving up on myself is me putting myself out there to whoever, because I've been committed to putting meaningful things on social media and continuing to work for over a decade. I, I my audience is getting larger. So the shows aren't five people anymore. The lowest are like 50, 60, but then they've gone all the way up to like 250. Mm -hmm. 380 that was mostly from support with this other organization but like around 100 to 150 is like the average and i'm like okay and so then i'm uh it's like committing to that but then also going well how i think this is important so how does this get bigger and now i'm talking with some people to help me with all that kind of stuff not from the like i mean there's like a monetary and livelihood thing but really the core thing that's changed in me is going i have just as much to say as aziz ansari I have something as valuable to say as Dave Chappelle or Mike Birbiglia, who's mm -hmm. my hero, Mike Birbiglia, or Pete Holmes or Rob Bell. Um, these mostly, they're all men there. Uh, they have had great success in their careers through television, media, best-selling books. They've earned everything they've got. 
I'm starting later and I have to just get over that, but I still have something to say and I'm going to work better to get that skill. Cause I do think that what they have is not because they're magical beings. They've just, they've been a contribution for long enough. Like you contribute long enough and it gets there, you know? This is me going, this is where I want to go. And I think I'm worthy of like more people hearing it. I actually had, <laughs> I had some people last night, some really delightful, encouraging people who were like, I have a word from the Lord from you, mm, you know, yes. which is great. And then, but one of it was like, take yourself more seriously. Not like, don't make jokes anymore. Sure, but sure, they're sure. like, you have something. No, this is a real fucking thing. Yeah. You're like, you, yeah. you have something to say and it's really important. Yeah. So take it seriously. Yeah. Which means like, Okay. Where do, how do I get this? So I'll, where do we take the risk? How do I let people know about, it? you know, that all that stuff. So I yeah. am taking it seriously. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. Here we go. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wished I would have about the show, about your life, just that you want to talk about on here? I mean, there's a million things we could talk about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I do want to say this. My running thesis, there's many, say yes is a lot of things, but is, uh, um, what I learned from St. Ignatius, the creator, the founder of the Jesuit movement and 15th century monk, uh, his teaching was that, and even if you don't believe in God or have any of that, you exist. And you could just say it's existence, you know, you, your existence, or if there's a God is the giver of existence. So it's either or. Um, but St. Ignatius would say that the giver of your existence um your hidden vocation and calling is in your desires. Mm. And I grew up in a religious culture that was really afraid of your desires because desires meaning meant you wanted to do S and M yeah. no, <laughs> or totally. you wanted to like masturbate all the time yeah. or you wanted to do all the things that religion was keeping you from doing. Desire so you, was typically and almost always equated with bad things, bad things yeah. and indulgences and yeah. stuff. And Ignatius says, Hey, desires lead you to flourishing and they lead you to destruction. So it takes discernment. You have to discern where this desire. But um, so my premise from the sh from the show is like your desire is asking you to pay attention. Your desire is a road for you to walk on. You see this a lot with Gary Vee when people are like, I just want to make money. And he's yeah. just like, why? Yeah. What is that going to give you? Yeah. I don't know. I just want it. Or I want fame. Or this is, this happens. This is a lot of the things where people want, they have a desire for something, but it's like, what do you, and, and I say this in the beginning where I'm just like, I think it's, we don't, it's never an object or a thing. It's like, we want to be a certain kind of person in the world. And really what we want is we want to be the fullest version of ourselves, the flourishing version of ourselves. And our desire is that pathway there. And so you have to pay attention to your desire. You're going to be tripped up by a lot of bullshit and other things that you society wants you to accomplish and stuff. But if you, if you go down that journey and go, why is this deep thing here? Like that was the thing. I was like, my dream was dying. I was like, I didn't know at 18. I'm starting, I'm figuring it out at 39, but that dream died, but my desire was still there. And so I was like, well, I have to start now. Yeah. Now, now existence is saying, but let's walk this. And will you do the work of putting it together and talking about it and putting yourself out there? And this is how you get there. Because my deepest desire isn't to be a person who's applauded by the audience. That's actually embarrassing. When everybody stood up and cheered, I'm like, I want to leave. I didn't do this for that. Yeah. I, I'm here selfishly because I'm like, because this is the flourishing person I want to be. I'm, I'm there to be like, I'm trying, I'm flourishing. Mm. And, and I know by doing that, I give you the gift and invitation for you to flourish. And, and I see it as a sharing 
thing. So I, I think that's the, that's the thing I'd want to say finally is just like your desire is that pathway and don't push it down. Even if you didn't grow up religiously, but you're told like, oh, be afraid of your desires. Um, really work through why it's there because I think that's the hidden pathway that you are being asked to uncover every day through your life is this pathway of desire. What we see in, and I use this metaphor is like comparison is like seeing other people's paths and trying to get on the work they've been doing. So I was like, I'm trying to get on Kanye's path, you know, and you can't, you do suck. You can't ever be somebody else. You can only be your fullest version of yourself. And so that's the invitation you have is seeing that pathway of desire and finding that flourishing. So uh, that applies to my wife is a food blogger and she has this deep desire for hospitality and caring for people through meals and, and dinners and stuff like that. And so as she followed that path, it led her to go, let's talk about it. I want to partner with Natalie and her business partner. And then let's photograph and let's learn all these skills. Like they were like, we're shit photographers. But three years later, they're like, we're better photographers. And now they speak at things about their photography because it's a learned skill. But it was the desire for this thing. And they were on a walk with their kids. And they're like, we're just moms, but we have this desire to talk about and curate this stuff. And they built a company, which is now six figures and going higher and higher and higher, you know, but it's it amazing. was the desire that led them there. And I think that's the thing. The desire you have is it might mean, what does it take to start a business? What does it take to learn this skill? What does it take to move to this place in order to do this more, you know, but the desire is that pathway that leads you there. Does that resonate? Do you feel like very I'm I, in all the conversations you've had with people, does that come up at all or? Very much. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. No, the desire, that desire piece is, is gold. When I listen to how I built this, you know, that podcast, yep. it's always like, somebody's like, I really wish this was in the world. You yep. know, that's always the catalyst yeah. for like a business Yeah, is like, there's something missing. I wish there was something like that. And I know? feel I, I'm going to venture, I'm going to guess that so many people, they have that moment. Yeah. And then they say, somebody else will do it better than I could. Yeah. Instead of saying, no, I'm the one yeah. to bring this company, this idea, this project, this show, this Instagram account, whatever it is yeah. that is going to make the world better in my own way. Instead, of, they say, well, yeah, that person's more equipped to do it, right? Like think, yeah, Holly with this, with Modern Proper, like mm -hmm. there's a million photographers that take pictures of food. There's millions right? of blogs. Millions. There's literally millions of blogs. They could have easily said on that walk, well, this would be great. We're, but it's never gonna, it's never gonna happen. And they could have been, they could have easily cut out when they're like, we've been at this for two years yep. and it hasn't made any money. Dude, I'm out. I, let me, uh, it took we're year on, three or four before they yeah, started making money. We're on a podcast right now called Let's Give a Damn. It's yeah. a bigger company and lots of things are happening that you guys will find out about soon. But this podcast has made me zero money. Yeah. I get, you know, we have ads every once in a while and I do different partnerships yeah. and different sponsorships. All that money goes back into, the guy making the podcast, Chad, my good buddy, who like actually Chad, makes it sound good. Chad's the Chad, man. you're the mat, you're the magic. And, Chad. But nothing. I've never made a dime. I've made, you know, I've used some of the money to make some shirts in some mugs that I've sold, and that's gone back into the business. I have never made a fucking penny from this. Yeah. I have only spent money traveling. I'm going to New York again next week to do podcast interviews. That's all in my own pocket. Yeah, we're two and a half years in. I could easily say, well, fuck this. I'm going to go get a job and I'm yeah. going to, you know, yeah. 
but the desire is saying, Nick, this is working yeah. and this is changing the world in its yeah. own little way. And, and people last night come up to me and say, I came to this random thing that my friend told me to come to. And now I'm listening to your podcast all the time. Yeah. Like that's, that's why I keep and doing it. And in a non-ego, self-centered way, you're doing it because this is the practice of you flourishing into the, you know, the deeper part of thousand percent. This is the person you yeah. want to be in the world. Yeah. This is the person you are in the world, yeah. which is, I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you. I yeah. want to gather wisdom and put it in a place where people can hear about it. I want to help others. I want to give a damn. I give a damn. I want you to, too, because I believe in your, and this is, you know, like I have to figure out a way where all of these desires can come about. Yep. And I know podcasting is one. That's just, it's just a mechanic to the essence. Yep. Yep. And then if that mechanic after a while doesn't work, you're like, well, what's the next evolution of it? Maybe it becomes like a YouTube show. Maybe it becomes like a traveling, you buy like a panel van that's not creepy and you open it up and you have like live shows. I don't know what the mechanics are always going to change, yep. but it's like that deep desire is like leading you. It's the journey of flourishing as your fullest self. A favorite designer of mine named James Victoria. He's like, your job on this world is to own your like incarnation. Mm. That's your job in this world yeah. is to be, is to say yes to you. He doesn't say it this way. He's right. like to say yes to you and be that person. Cause nobody else can. Nobody You're else in can. your biological spacesuit. Nobody else is. It's what that Nelson Mandela quote is, which is like, we're not afraid of what we can't do, but or what we're actually we're actually what we're afraid of is the power that's within us. You know, like the actual like power we have. That's what he's talking about. Like he went to obscurity, which is that prison. And when he came out, he's like, Do you know what's inside of us? Mm. I found it. And I'm gonna take that and it's gonna change this country. It's right? wild. That's I was it, watching it's that's in all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching uh an episode of Friends the other day and because why not? And uh the super <laughs> of the building that they all live in, yeah, Traeger, right? Yeah. You've seen this guy, right? Everybody that's watched Friends. Yeah. Like this is an unattractive in an individual. Yeah. Like you look at him and you're like, if if that person were to walk up to you on the street and say, I'm gonna be in one of the best selling, longest running shows of all time, yeah, that still makes those five characters on Friends still make $20 million a year in residuals each. Because it's a billion dollar industry. Yeah. They each make $20 million just for nothing mm -hmm. right now. For if he were to come up to you, if Traeger were to come up to you and say, I'm going to be part of that show. I'm going to be an integral part of that show yeah. for almost all the seasons. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, cool, dude. Yeah. There's a role for Traeger. Yeah. There's a role for everybody yeah. in like, so don't, don't listen to that voice that's saying, yeah. well, you're not Kanye West. So go, go, go. You don't look like uh, Margot Robbie or you don't look like right. Brad Pitt or you don't look like Denzel or you don't look like uh, Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan. That guy's handsome. Michael B. Jordan is way handsomer, <laughs> yeah, so, way more handsome than more Michael handsome. Jordan. But. but do you, are you friends with Aaron Hale? Do you know Aaron Hale? I know who he is. He, yeah. He's been a musician for a long time, yeah. kind of started petering off and he's like, my deepest desire is I want to be an actor. Yeah. And look, Aaron Hale is no Michael B. Jordan. He's a white guy who's a bit goofy and funny. Yeah. Uh, he's not a slim man, uh, but oozing with personality. He's a delightful human being. And he's like, I'm getting into this. And yeah. now he's like written his own shorts, won, like, won a bunch of awards. It's great. It's called it's Clementine. Amazing. You should go watch it. And he's like in it. And he's like every shoot, every like film I've been on, I just get a little bit better. And it gets a little bit bigger. And he's like, I'm on this journey of becoming. But I started with a desire and I had to go, I see who I am in the mirror. I see myself naked. There's plenty that I could dismiss that says that's not for movies. And we're at a time when that's not true. 
because what people want is they want to see like people being themselves and tell me what you have to say mm. and give us delight and yeah yeah i mean if it was only left and and really honestly good looking people are not interesting so uh no I'm right kidding. we're using well, we're using, <laughs> like, we're using that those people as comparisons because that's what we yeah, but, but this applies this applies to all Tifa of this life. morning said she's like <laughs> I don't want to say this, but she's like, she's like, I'm a strong seven. You don't want to be, but she's like, you don't want to be above a seven because you don't want to be above a seven. You don't want to be below a three because like people treat you differently. But she's like, if you're in this category of like, I'm good. Three to seven. You're like, yeah. And there's a joke, oh, man, write all the emails to uh, Nick. But yeah, like, thanks. Uh, there was always a joke in college or you're like, you never wanted to date a hot girl. Because uh, who was like somebody who was like smoking, smoking, growing up because they never had to develop a personality to survive in the world. It's always the people who like, I don't have all these things going for me. So I have to know how to navigate culturally and socially these things. These are the interesting people in the world. I remember going to my high school reunion and it was totally cliche. Like the coolest kids in high school were the least interesting people and all the nerds and people you're like, you're doing what in the world? You're so interesting, yeah. you know, because the cool guys working at McKenzie, making a lot of money, doing nothing interesting. But then the guy that was the solid six or five, yeah. he started this amazing project or company and you, yeah, all you yeah, want to yeah. do is talk with him or her about and it. Comedians kind of have this joke where they're like a good looking comedian. We're like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what do you have to say? You have nothing. What do you have to say? You've been socially accepted, you know, and they're like, but I was actually lonely inside. Sure. I get it. Fuck you. Yeah. But like, <laughs> and there are some good looking comedians, you know, I'm not saying that, that that's the pre you can't be if you're not, but it's like what they're getting to is like all of the things that think you hold you back is the interesting things you bring to the table. Like a guy last night, uh, I think he was albino, had long white hair. Yep. He's like, his eyes are a bit jittery. And he's just like, I hate my eyes. I hate my teeth and stuff like that. But he's like, I want to do the things you're doing. And I was like, all those things you hate are the things that are going to make you endearing. Every to single one of them. Yeah. Because then you tell us about what it is to have your eyes. And we go, I don't know what that's like. Rob, I heard this from Rob Bell. And I think it was really great because we, I grew up in a culture where you're supposed to give a testimony about how God's worked in your life. And yeah. if you grew up in like suburbia and not a lot of stuff happened, you always, the better testimonies, the better stories were people who were like, I was on drugs and I was sleeping around. And then I met Jesus and I changed all that. That's a good story. It's just a good story arc. And when you're like, I was loved by my parents and I have a great church and I, that's why I believe in this. You're like, that's not as interesting. No, nobody wants to hear that. And Rob, Rob, he was like, Stories of grace and love are just as interesting yeah. uh, as stories of like just, you know, messing up and stuff. He's like, you just, you haven't been to the context yet where that's interesting. Because if you go to prison and you have a prison full of men who came out of like no dads and destructive households and you go, hey, let me tell you what it's like to be in a family that loves you. They're all ears because mm. that's what they've always wanted. Mm. And you have something to offer that. You just haven't maybe found the context of where your story is a gift to people. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. We have gone all over the place. Woo! I loved every bit of yeah, it. Yeah, it's good. I think all, at least so much, but I think all of what we talked about applies to people listening yeah. that want to do something meaningful in yeah. the world. Yeah. It's going to help them in tremendous ways. So I hope so. I thank you so much. Reach out to Nick or me and... Yeah, yeah. Give. Well, let's close with you saying, "Here's what I'm up to. I here's answer, what you should be into. Here's where to find me." Yeah, uh, I answer all emails and messages. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it might be a month later and be like, oh, "I'm sorry, I dropped this. 
I had a baby. But no, I answer everything. So if you're just like, hey, I have questions. Here's what I'm trying to do. Like, let us know. I want to encourage you. I'm most interact on social media, Instagram. So I'm Scott the Painter. Scott the Painter. And I post what I'm doing there in work. And I do spiritual formation through image contemplation through that account. And uh, Scott Erickson Arts, my website, um, scotterksonart.com. But yeah, I'm trying to, so I you know, say yes. I'd like to tour it. I'd like to take it everywhere for another year. I'm working on dates in Denver, Boulder, New York City, Cincinnati. Yeah, this Louisville. our conversation will come out August 6th. So there'll be plenty of time for people to like go on your site. Yeah. Yep. Look at look at what's going on yeah. and see. Everybody's see on what's vacation right now because it's summertime, so I'm trying, none of the dates are nailed down. But they're, it's all happening. And That's then great. Um, I'm doing a stint at a theater in Calgary, Canada, for a week at a doing this. Which That's is amazing. Like a dream come true. That's so cool. Um, and then yeah, I have. I'm allowing people to support me as an artist through Patreon because yep. I I always I had a lot of holdups with that. And then some friends were like, let us give you money. Yeah. And I was like, why? And they're like, cause we want you to keep doing your work in the world. And I was like, I don't want you to give me money if I'm obligated to give you stuff. <laughs> and they're like, we don't want anything except what you got to make. And so I'm actually taking all this love in and going, well, what's a project that's hard to get funded that this could do. And so I'm, uh, I'm endeavoring to, and I'm starting now, I'm just doing all the research, but, um, my next big project, probably for it's probably for like five years, uh, and actually Tifa really encouraged me in this is uh, is I'm going to make an image for so in church lectionary is like every it goes for three years. There's all these the scripture yep. and meditations broken down. Yep. So there's content for fifty two you know fifty two every Sunday for a year for three years, and then it rotates. And uh, I wanted to make a visual component for that. I want to make a visual vocabulary for spirituality, at least Protestant, you know, Christ leaning spirituality, at least the tradition I come out of, because it's not there, doesn't have it. And it's a, and I think it's necessary and needed. And so, and I think I'm the guy to do it because it's, I can see it's, I've been doing this my whole yeah. career. So, uh, I now I have a group of people who are sponsoring me and you can find out and you can sponsor my work. I will link to all of those things. Yeah. In yeah. The and those notes. are the things I'm working on. I'm working on kind of the beginnings of my next show because Say Yes is memorized now. Yeah. And so what's the next thing? And I think it's going to be about depression. Mm. I think it's going to be like a, let's have a conversation with the spiritual work of depression. Mm. Oh, and figure I, that out. I slash we look forward to that. Yeah. You're yeah. awesome. I love you, buddy. Thanks. I love Thank you, you too. Thanks, man. Friends, I'm so grateful you've joined us today. I hope Scott encouraged you. I know he encouraged and continues to encourage me. Do me a favor and do yourself a favor. Go follow Scott on all the socials. You'll be glad you did. Scott the Painter on Instagram and Twitter. Search for Scott Erickson on Facebook. You'll find him. And visit his website, scotterickssonart.com to see if he is doing a show in your area. And you can also find some art to buy there. Or you can wait to go to a show live. He sells art there as well. If you find a show in your area, please go. It is the best $10 you'll ever spend. As always, you can find links and more information about this podcast conversation and all things Let's Give a Damn by going to letsgiveadam.com. If you love what we're doing on the show, please tell a friend or 10 friends, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or consider throwing a few dollars our way each month to support the production of this show by going to patreon.com slash letsgiveadamn right now. This podcast episode was created by Chad Snavely and yours truly. The music is by our friend and fellow damn giver, Propaganda. I can't wait to spend time with you all next week. I love you all. Peace. <laughs>